Hello, welcome to the Waiting in the Sky podcast. That's right, it's the podcast with the disappointing intro song because I couldn't afford Bowie. And I am your host, TJ Starman. I'm here to talk to you about all things movies, television, gaming, and of course, sports. And before I get into today's topic, which is one I am very, very, very excited to get into, I just wanted to kind of talk about the next week's schedule for the podcast and kind of how I hope to see it progressing moving forward as well. So I'm very excited for Monday's episode. Mondays, I want to focus on media. So I want to focus on movies, I want to focus on television and gaming in particular. And so to start off uh, this Labor Day, Monday, I'm going to be kicking off a episode on my favorite game series of all time, and that's Kingdom Hearts. So if you're not familiar with Kingdom Hearts, you take Disney, cross it over with Final Fantasy, and you get Kingdom Hearts. And uh, my favorite series, I'm super excited to talk about that. Take a Keep an eye out for that episode on Monday, Labor Day. And then moving forward, I want to also kind of make Friday my dedicated sports episode day. And so currently we're about to enter football season. So I am definitely going to put a huge focus on the Chicago Bears. But as we kind of cycle through the seasons or if we get some some big news from one of the other teams, I definitely want to hop on and talk about those uh, bits of news as well and kind of give my impressions. Anything I get super fired up about, I will definitely be recording a special episode for those types of things. But I am definitely excited to be kicking off my sports episodes with the Chicago Bears in a segment that I'm calling the State of the Bears. And uh, very excited to get into it. Um, I'm going to kind of highlight the 53-man roster and the practice squad announcements that were made this past week. And I kind of want to look at it and give a give a grade to each position group and kind of give overall impressions of the roster through that lens. And then I also want to take some time and I want to go week by week through the Bears schedule and do a win-loss prediction. And uh, we're kind of pushing it. We're now at the right on the cusp of week one of preparation and practice and everything for the teams. So we're going to get kind of that last minute um, look at the schedule and make our predictions off of that. So very excited to get into this episode and I will be right back. Okay, this is the State of the Bears, and we're looking ahead to the 2021 season uh, because we are about to enter preparations for week one of the season. So uh, I figured the best thing, the kind of hot topic to cover this week uh, was the announcement of the Bears 53-man roster and also um, the subsequent practice squad signings that they made as well to kind of fill out the team. Um so I want to do what I want to do is go position by position um, on the 53-man roster, and also kind of highlight some of the practice squad players as well. And then uh, I also want to give each position group a grade. So you know, schoolyard or schoolhouse grades A through F, um, and we'll kind of that. I think all of those grades coupled together will give us a good idea of of how to feel about the team. And then I want to kind of use that information as we go week by week through the bear schedule and predict uh, wins and losses. And uh, that'll kind of be the 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 season prediction uh, for the 2021 season. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump into the 53-man roster. And uh, let's start with the specialists. Uh, not the most exciting group. But it has been um, pretty up and down, mostly down for the Bears um, up until last year when uh, Cairo Santos pretty much locked in that kicker spot. So he got the extension this offseason. He joined, actually, all three of these guys got extensions this offseason uh, punter Pat O'Donnell, Cairo Santos, and then also the long snapper Patrick Scales, all coming back on extensions. It's going to be nice to have that familiarity, to have the same group going into it again. You hope that Santos can kind of keep up that production that he showed a year ago and really lock down that kicking position for the team. If he can do that, I think this ends up being a really good group. Uh, Pat Scales seems to be um, efficient or capable uh, at the long snapping position. Not a whole lot that I know to critique there, to be honest. Um, and then Pat O'Donnell, I think uh, mega punt, 
as he's called, showed off that leg uh, in the preseason a couple of times, which was good because the Bears punt coverage team did not look great. Um, so getting a, a, a lot of leg underneath those kicks could be huge for the field position battle. Um, but for the, the specialist position, I'm going to give them, I'll give them a B. Uh, I think the Bears have a good group there. Um, not necessarily all pro kicker, but I think that Cairo Santos definitely showed a lot of potential last season. And if he can carry that momentum, maybe it ends up being an A from that group as well. So moving on, I want to touch on, let's start with the defense first, because uh, we know all of the intrigue is on offense this year, specifically at quarterback. Um, but let's start with the defense and let's look at the safety position here. So the safeties on the roster, you've got your starters, uh, Tashawn Gibson and Eddie Jackson. Um, so the hope is that Eddie Jackson can finally click and uh, end up getting some more interceptions, um, some more turnovers this year under uh, new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. Um, so hopefully that actually takes shape. I don't think we saw Jackson play too much in the preseason, so we can't really get a full idea of what that'll look like um, just yet. But if, if he can get back to the kind of production he was showing before that extension, uh, that would be significant for this defense and for the team as a whole. Deshaun Gibson going to hold it down as well. He did well enough last year uh, playing alongside Jackson, so it'll be nice to have that familiarity going into this year. And then you have the um, familiar names on the Bears roster as backups, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson and Deion Bush. Um, so also going to be special teams contributors as well. Uh, I think this is a pretty decent group. Um, not amazing, but pretty solid. So I will go with a B um, in this position group as well, um, because I think that they have some really good upside at the starter position in Jackson. And I think they've got some decent depth with safety as well. Next up, uh, this is uh, a big question mark, and uh, everyone's talking about it. And it's strange that the Bears are actually only carrying four cornerbacks uh, going into preparations for week one. Uh, so that could still change. Um, obviously, this is the 53-man roster as it is today, but it could change at any point, And they could bring in someone via trade. They could sign someone, have to cut someone else to make room. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities there. But at cornerback, the Bears are expected to start um, Jalen Johnson, the second round player uh, with a second round pick last year. Um, there's not a whole lot of concern for him, although you can argue like he's not necessarily proven himself capable of being um, a quarterback cornerback one just yet. He's kind of been thrust into that position due to Kyle Fuller's departure. Um, but he's far from the biggest question mark this year um, because opposite him, uh, also a second year man, Kendall Vildor is expected to start on the boundary. And uh, there was some good buzz about Vildor in, uh, in, in camp. But uh, in the preseason, he actually did not look very good at, at all. Um, didn't necessarily look like a starting caliber cornerback. And he is a little undersized. So um, it's a concern with him playing on the boundary there and being your number two, which is why there's a lot of speculation about the Bears potentially signing someone or bringing someone else in. Um, the issue being that there's not a whole lot of talent out there at this point that's available. Um, but then we also have the inside corner position, the nickelback um, expected to be Duke Shelley, who played there through the pro the preseason. Um, he's a third year man, if I recall correctly, and kind of the same thing as Vildor. Um, there was a little bit of buzz about Shelley in training camp, not quite as much as, as Vildor, but um, there was a little bit of buzz about his ability to play that inside nickelback position, but then didn't really translate to the preseason play. Uh, so there's a, still room for concern there. One of the biggest surprises for me was not necessarily that the, the Bears had only signed um, four cornerbacks to their 53-man roster, or only keeping four cornerbacks, but it was who the fourth was. You know, if you told me it was only four, I would expect maybe Desmond Trufant to be that fourth name. Uh, maybe Artie Burns, Trey Roberson, who had that pick six in the last game. All potential names. I was not expecting Xavier Crawford. And I think with Xavier Crawford, he's a name that's been around. 
at least for a couple of years. And so I think maybe there's some special teams value. There's some familiarity with the coaches that they really like. And that was a little bit of a surprise, but I think that's what uh, they're thinking there. Um, I do believe also that the Bears did end up bringing back Artie Burns. And so Artie Burns, I think, is the fifth cornerback. Um, so a former first-round pick who has some upside. Maybe he's still competing with Vildor uh, for that outside corner position. Who knows? But um, definitely this position group is a huge question mark, to say the least. Uh, I'm going to go with a D until proven otherwise. I just don't think there's there's enough proven talent at this position. So a D, I think, is generous um, just based on the upside and what Johnson showed in a shortened season last year. Um, so BBD so far. Looking at now the outside linebackers for the Bears. So it's no surprise Khalil Mack is going to be out there. Uh, superstar defender still has it, still able to draw tons of attention. His numbers haven't been as high, and so you'd like to see sacks go up, but there's always the injury concerns, injury factories, injury factors, and uh, all those things are consideration to the way that someone like Mac plays if he's playing through injury. Um, and so those numbers can come down a little bit, but what we really need to see is some of these other guys pick up where he's leaving off. So whether that's higher numbers or lower numbers, still need to get some slack picked up. And so Robert Quinn is a guy who has been very disappointing to say the least uh, through his one year on the team, but he has a huge contract and he's got to step up. He's expected to start um, out, outside um, opposite Khalil Mack. And he might be a starter in the fact that he might be starting games. I think that his snaps are actually going to be very competitive with the two other guys here, Travis Gibson and Jeremiah Ataochu. And I think that those two guys are going to be able to come in situationally or rotate uh, through with Quinn regularly and occasionally with Mac on the other side to give him a break. And I think those Snapchat or snap snap counts are going to end up uh, pretty evenly distributed between those three guys there um, with Khalil kind of standing out. Um, I actually think that Travis Gibson has gotten a lot of buzz through the preseason. Um, I think he was, uh, was it PFFs uh, number one ranked pass rusher in the preseason. And so that's actually impressive. He's a guy that's in his second year. Uh, if he can do good things in his second year, uh, signals that he can maybe be extended and he could be a guy that can be a difference maker um, moving forward for a team that really needs to get young on the defensive end. So um, if Gibson can step up and have a good season, I think that'll be amazing. So for that group, um, Khalil Mack's presence there is is significant, and then I think the depth is good as well, even with the question marks around Quinn. So I will go. I'll go A with outside linebackers for the for that reason. It's close, but if I'm not doing pluses and minuses, I'm just going to go A or B. I'm going to round up to A. Let's say so. Another surprise was the Bears keeping seven inside linebackers on this initial 53-man roster. And definitely a big consideration here is the special teams play. Those linebackers tend to get a lot of time uh, in the third phase of the game there, specifically Josh Woods and um, Joel Iwe Buniwe. Uh, so those guys getting a lot of special teams. Uh, Christian Jones is another one. Caleb Johnson, who is uh, an undrafted rookie, who was really impressive. He had those like two fumble recoveries um, in one of the games and was just swarming around, um, was noticeable. One of the guys that I was able to notice just kind of casually watching preseason football. And so I was excited to see his name there. Uh, I think that shows a lot of promise. Uh, but seven inside linebackers is a lot. And I think it was telling because they did, the Bears did move Danny Trevathan to uh, – the injured reserve as soon as they could. Um, and so he's going to be missing at least three games to start, which means that your starters are going to be Roquan Smith, young guy who is primed to have a huge year that's going to lead into a big extension, um, starting alongside Alec Ogletree, who was the veteran brought in um, midway through camp and impressed right away. Um, he had like an interception every day for like the first three days, I think. Um, and so I think with those guys, you're actually going to do pretty well. Um, I think that the, the inside linebacker position has a lot of depth. It's definitely a position that 
Ryan Pace shored up this year. And so not only having the numbers, but also quality at that position, I think is going to show um, even with uh, Danny Trevathan on injured reserve to start the year. But for this group, I'm going to go with B. I think that if Rokorn can really assert his will and, you know, Danny comes back and plays well or Ogletree's playing well right from the start, I think that could really impact that grade overall. But right now, initial impression, I'm, I'm going to go B for the inside linebackers. And then the last group on defense here is uh, the defensive linemen. And so this is absolutely a strength of the Bears. Um, and so you have Eddie Goldman returning this year. He took last year off um, due to the, the pandemic season and coming back stronger than ever and in great shape by all accounts. Uh, so I think Eddie Goldman is going to prove that he is a significant presence uh, in the middle at, at nose tackle there. Um, he's going to be um, playing in the middle between Akeem Hicks, who is getting a little older, um, but still has shown himself to be a dominant pass rusher and able to play the run as well. Um, and so Akeem Hicks is definitely going to be an impact player again, even though he's getting a little older. Um, I think he wants an extension or he wants a big one last big contract uh, from someone else in free agency if the Bears don't want to pay him. So I think he's got a lot to play for if he can stay healthy. Uh, that's going to be the key, as we've seen in recent years. Bilal Nichols is also going to be playing for a big payday. Uh, he's due for an extension. Uh, I think that extending him and letting Hicks walk, if it comes to it, is probably going to be the move, um, just because Nichols is younger. He showed a lot last year playing in place of Eddie Goldman, but also being able to move to the outside again at defensive end is going to be a significant move for him. I think he's going to be able to shine this year, really prove himself worthy of an extension, and the Bears are going to reward him for that, help the team get a little younger. So Nichols will be good. And then we have Angela Blackson, who was signed, I believe, from the Cardinals this offseason, quality depth piece. Um, and then finally, the seventh-round pick from this this draft, uh, Kairos Tonga. It, uh, I thought he was really impressive in preseason, so him making the 53-man roster was not super surprising. Um, I think he's in a position where he can develop behind Eddie Goldman. And then when it comes to the end of Eddie Goldman's contract, which was extended, remember, because he did not play last year. So the contract just slid over to this year. Um, at the time of his contract expiring, Bears might be able to let him walk, resign, uh, extend Tonga and have him play in the middle if he is able to you know, progress and develop. Um, and then maybe they get some type of compensation for letting Goldman walk in the draft too. A, a compensatory pick would be amazing in that scenario. So hopefully that's what happens. But feel really good about this uh, this position for the Bears. I'm going to go A at defensive line. So uh, now that I've covered the special teams and defense, I do want to take just a quick break um, before I jump into the offense and break down that side of the football. Okay, so let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball, um, but let's stick with the linemen. So we have the five uh, presumed starters uh, with Jason Peters, um, then at left guard, Cody Whitehair, center, Sam Mustafer, right guard, James Daniels, and then right tackle, Jermaine Effetti. Uh, so those are your five starters that you're going to be rolling into the season with. It could be some change, um, but behind them, you're going to have Alex Bars, who can kind of play anywhere on the line. He played a lot of positions last year for the Bears. Um, so kind of having him back there as a Swiss Army knife uh, definitely will be nice. Um, we have the rookie Larry Borum, um, who should be one of their backup tackles. I think he's been playing primarily left tackle, um, but you would think if needed, he could play right tackle. That's what he played in college. Um, so he could be there as well. Um, Tevin Jenkins initially made the 53, but was moved to the uh, injured reserve right off the bat. Um, so we won't see him within the first three games, but uh, probably somewhere down the line, there's a chance that he can come back and, and maybe see some playing time if the opportunity is there and, and he's feeling healthy and caught up with, with everything that he needs to be, uh, you know, playing. Um, then we have Elijah Wilkinson, who is also kind of a swing tackle, um, but does have some experience playing at guard as well. So it kind of does make sense to have him stick around. But the surprise um, really to me was Lachavia Simmons, who was one of the seventh round picks 
in last year's draft, and he got some playing time um, in the decimated line during the preseason this year. And, you know, I don't watch a whole lot of offensive line play specifically, but, you know, it didn't look like he was doing it outstanding when he was out there, and I've not heard tremendous things about his performance in the preseason. So that's one to keep an eye on, probably just, you know, someone that they feel comfortable with keeping as, as depth um, there. So that's your 10. I don't think it's a very high ceiling group. Um, I think between Daniels, White, Hare, and Mustafer, the inside is going to be pretty solid, but then you have your question marks with Peters, you know, being 39 years old at the left tackle spot. If he can be supplanted by either Borum or maybe later in the season, Jenkins comes back and, and can solidify that. I think that would be a good sign. Or if, you know, it's not even necessary. If he ends up showing that he's still got it at age 39, then uh, that could be good. But then I think on the right side, Jermaine Fetty ended up playing decently at right tackle last year, which I think is why they ended up keeping him at that position this year. And, you know, I think he's slimmed down a little bit in the offseason, really putting some focus into getting in shape and, and being able to play that position well. So, you know, it, it's a question mark for sure uh, because he did play right tackle in Seattle and, you know, didn't do it well enough to stick around, obviously, that he ended up with the Bears and they wanted to play him at guard. And that didn't work out. So we'll see. That could be a position where we have, you know, Wilkinson shows up or Borum makes a switch over to the right tackle position if Effetti is struggling. But overall, I think the offensive line group is is not great. I'm going to give him a C because of the, the uh, solid three men in the middle. But um, those question marks at tackle are going to make it difficult to give a good grade to that offensive line group. Moving on to the tight ends group, uh, five tight ends, which was a surprise to me. So I think Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet were guarantees for sure to be on this roster. Um, definitely expecting a step up from Komet this year and kind of take hold of that starting tight end role and to really make a difference out there in this offense. Uh, Jimmy Graham's just out there to be a tall target in the red zone. Um, if he can do what he did last year, I think that's, that's good enough. Can't really ask more of him at this stage of his career. Uh, but this is probably his last year, for sure his last year in Chicago, if it's not his last year in the NFL. Um, but behind them, we had Jesse James, who kind of came on this preseason, um, had the connection with Justin Fields, which I think helped him stand out a lot, um, but really showed that he was capable of, of performing on this offense. So it was good to see him make make the roster as kind of the number three slash number two you know, depending on what you want to label Jimmy Graham. Um, but behind him, I thought it was a toss-up between J.P. Holtz and Jesper Horstead. Um, and then when Jesper Horstead had the three-touchdown game to close out the preseason, I kind of thought that was enough to kind of knock off Holtz. Um, Holtz didn't really show anything. So I thought the upside is there with Horstead, but not so much with Holtz. But Holtz has been around, and he's been, you know, reliable as far as, you know, um, playing fullback at times and just being a good dependable blocking tight end as well. So it's not totally surprising to see him on the roster. It's just surprising that uh, he's on the roster with there being five tight ends remaining. So um, a decent group, but I don't know that there's, you know, a whole lot of like, unless Cole Komet really steps it up to a new level, whole new level. I don't think this is a, an elite group by any means. So I'll say B at tight end because I think they're at least three deep with some upside beyond that. Uh, next to tight ends, we'll take a look at receivers. So the receivers, this has changed a little bit. Um, so we have obviously the starters, Allen Robinson is your number one um, and he should be extended, but don't get me started down that path. Um, then you've got Darnell Mooney as your number two, um, who's the deep threat, speedy. Well, one of the many speedy deep threats on this team now. Um, Clearly, the Bears made this strong, motivated move to get faster at the wide receiver position this offseason as they brought in Marquise Goodwin, also brought in Demir Bird, um, both guys known as being speedsters. I don't think either of them are surprised to be on the 53-man roster. Um, would really like to see them stand out this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of year that those guys can have with either Dalton or Fields throwing it to them. 
But then initially Rodney Adams was on the 53, um, but he was actually cut because the Bears brought in two other wide receivers. So one being uh, Brashad Perriman, who was cut from the Lions, um, but he, I believe, would be the fastest wide receiver in that room now. Um, And so they clearly committed to that speed wide receiver template, and they're going to bring him in, and and hopefully he can contribute something. Um, And then they also brought in, I think it's Nasimba Webster, um, who will most likely be you know, a prime candidate for punt return duties, um, but not really going to be expected as a contributor at receiver. Um, but they did have to clear room, so Rodney Adams was released, um, but was assigned to the, Patrick, uh, the practice squad. So Rodney Adams, a good story. I think a lot of people in Chicago are happy to see that he's sticking around, um, didn't get signed away or anything like that. So the receivers, I think, can be a really good group, but they are limited by the quarterback play, obviously. So um, I think you could see a, a wide range here, depending on who's throwing the ball. I think this has the potential to be an A group, um, but I think you need to kind of play it safer with, with this grade. And I'm going to say B overall, just because there's not like two standout wide receivers like some other teams have. Um, but I think they have some upside, obviously, with Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and the other guys. If they can live up to that upside, then. It could end up being a really strong group for sure, and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, so a B for the receivers there. Another uh, position group that got really deep this year is running back. And so we have David Montgomery, who saw, I think he had one carry this preseason, um, kind of got dinged up a little bit, so he came off. And then I don't think they had any reason to play him anymore. Um, he's kind of proven what he is at this point as the starter. He... Had a really good year last year, really came on towards the end of the year when the offensive line kind of finally gelled a little bit. Um, So I think that he's got a lot to offer this year. I think especially, you know, going into his third year, uh, being familiar with the team, it all kind of depends on what the offensive line can do. Uh, I think the issue I always saw with Montgomery was he's getting hit at the line of scrimmage or beyond it or, or in the backfield on most of his carries and he's having to break a tackle or two just to get one or two yards. And that's not going to bring you long-term success at, at the position at all. But if you can change that and he's now breaking tackles, you know, after a three yards after four yards um, and then can bust out of there for, you know, a couple more yards after that, then that's really where you get the good production from your running back. And so I think he's capable of that, but it does depend on the offensive line for sure. They also added Damian Williams, who's coming off of opting out last year. Um, but Damian Williams has the familiarity with this system from his time in Kansas City. Um, he looked pretty decent in the preseason. So I think that's a that's a pickup that is going to prove beneficial um, for some depth at running back, make sure that Montgomery doesn't get too worn down. Um, the Bears also drafted Khalil Herbert in the sixth round of, of the draft out of Virginia Tech, and uh, I think he's going to definitely take kick return duties, at least to start off the year. And then he looked pretty decent out of the backfield, uh, playing running back in the preseason as well. So I think this is a good group overall. I don't think Montgomery has reached that star level yet, so I I can't really give it an A, but I will give this group a B. Um, So solid position group, I think, there. Now, this is the really interesting one, and it's quarterback obviously. And so we have Andy Dalton, who everyone knows was brought in on a one-year deal, $10 million, um, was apparently notoriously promised a starting position um, when he did sign that contract, did accept that contract. Um, However, the script kind of flipped a little bit when the Bears traded up in the draft at pick number 11, took Justin Fields. So um, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, I'm not going to get into the whole thing between is Fields ready to start. I, I I think he is ready to start, but I think there's a lot of factors that are going into this. I think the stability of the coaches, you know, wanting to kind of see what they have in Dalton. I do think there is some truth in that. Um, but I don't think that's the whole reason by any means, but I do think they want to see what they've got in Dalton here without having to risk Fields yet. Um, so I think it's a big, big reason. And then, of course, Nick Foles and his 
just monstrosity of a contract as the third quarterback um, on the roster is still here. And I'm going to be bummed out as long as he is still here because I'm just going to be reminded of last year. And I want no part of that. Um, so the quarterback group is is decent. I, I'm going to get into what I, how I think this is all going to play out between Dalton and Fields when I go through my week by week. Um, but overall, I think Fields obviously has all the potential in the world. Um, they're really deep with Foles as your number three, but they don't have a whole lot of upside with Fields in his rookie year. Dalton, you kind of know what he is at this point. So I'm going to go with a B um, with this group as a whole. I don't think Dalton is necessarily a B. I think he's more of a C. I think Fields is a little more of a B, but then you get that boost and the depth of having Foles as your number three there, just as a as an in-case insurance policy. So that's, that's kind of how I feel about each of the position groups on the 53-man roster. But just to kind of highlight some of the players, the names on the practice squad. Um, so Rodney Adams, I mentioned, was already signed to the practice squad. I think the Bears have 14 players out of 16 as of now. Um, so along with Rodney Adams, three other wide receivers. So draft pick Daz Newsome. I was really glad that he didn't end up away. Um, John Vea Johnson, who uh, showed up a few times in preseason and at training camp. Isaiah Coulter was a guy I know that they brought in recently. Probably want more of a chance to see what he's got. Um, yeah, fan favorite Ryan Nall is still on the squad. Uh, Artavis Pierce also sticking around as another running back. Um, Dieter Island that they have listed as a center, but I know he can bounce around inside a little bit, um, as well as Arlington Hambright um, as another offensive lineman there. I think primarily he's playing guard these days, um, so not terrible to have some depth. He was a seventh-round pick last year. So you're not going to expect huge things from him, but he did play some last year. And so having that experience doesn't hurt. And finally, on the defense, we have at outside linebacker Sam Kamara showed a little bit. Um, the big name is Charles Snowden, who was a, a really well-regarded undrafted free agent signing. Um, he's a guy that really was super athletic off the edge there, needed to put on some weight. And so being able to, to keep him around on the practice squad is probably a good sign. It gives him a chance to learn the game from Khalil Mack, from Robert Quinn, those guys, and he can put on some weight in, while he's working on his craft and not have to worry about you know, getting out there before he's, his body's ready, before he's truly ready to perform on Sundays. Um, Thomas Graham Jr. at cornerback. He is another draft pick from this year that uh, really didn't have a chance to show enough apparently this offseason, so he's going to stick around on the practice squad and could hopefully develop into something. Tease Tabor, who's listed as a safety, but um, I know he's bounced around a little bit. I feel like I've seen him play some nickelback as well. Um, is a name that's been around and has uh, the opportunity to be there as some secondary depth for the defense. And then the defensive line already went over is a super deep group, but they also have I Azoya Alufi, and I, I definitely probably butchered that name, um, but it doesn't hurt to have a little bit extra depth there. And then what's interesting is keeping a kicker on the practice team as well. So Brian Johnson came in, and I know he hit well, they, he hit a 50-yarder in the preseason, so it's impressive. You know, you want to just have an extra kicker in your back pocket like that. Um, we went over Cairo Santos. Obviously, you want him to keep that level of performance from last year. If for some reason he slips and he totally loses it, you've got Brian Johnson to bring in to give him a shot. Don't think that's going to happen necessarily, but what's more likely to happen and still hope it doesn't is that there's some sort of, you know, COVID protocol that keeps your kicker out one week where you can bring the other one in. And so just an insurance policy and special teams. So that is the practice squad and the offensive uh, 53 man. What I want to do now is come back and going to get the schedule pulled up for the bears. I'm going to go week by week and make my prediction based on this roster, based on this coaching staff, based on all the optimism I can muster. Uh, I'm going to go through and kind of come up with a record prediction of win losses for the bears in the 2021 season. It'll be right after this. 
All right, so let's get into the Bears' schedule. A couple of things that I want to note before I really get into the week-by-week is, one, the big difference is that there is a 17th game this year. So the Bears, win. everyone, obviously, in the NFL will be playing 17-game seasons. And so it's going to just change the numbers. We're very used to those uh, 16-game numbers, the 8-8 season. Uh, Eight wins, meaning 500 nine wins, meaning above 500. That's not going to be the case this year. It's going to be eight wins would be less than 500 uh, with the 17 games. So something to keep in mind as we go through here. The other thing, and it is the elephant in the room, uh, the Justin on the field, and that is obviously the quarterback situation. And so I think, but there's like almost like a 99% chance that Justin Fields is starting no later than week four, um, which would be at the Lions, or actually uh, at home against the Lions, uh, week four. However, I actually think there's a good chance that Justin Fields is playing week three. Not necessarily starting, and I will get into that, but is playing week three. And so that's going to be a big factor in each of these games, the quarterback play and what to expect from that position. So... Without further ado, let's jump into week one. Week one is September 12th. It is a night game against the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and that defense, um, they're going to come to play. And uh, you also have Sean McVay with Matthew Stafford this year, as opposed to Jared Goff. The thing is, I don't think that Sean McVay is as good as he's built up to be. That's just my opinion. Uh, and I, more specifically, I don't think he was handcuffed as much by Jared Goff as the me- NFL media tends to make it out to be. I think that Sean McVay is a good coach. I think he's very has a great offensive mind as well. But I don't think that inserting Matthew Stafford, who I also think is is a good quarterback. I don't think in inserting Matthew Stafford alone is going to suddenly make this just a ridiculous offense because I think the offense was pretty good with Jared Goff in McVay's first year. And I think that they just got figured out a little bit. So I think inserting Stafford opens things up a little bit more, but I don't think it completely blows the playbook wide open. I don't think it makes this offense unstoppable. That said, Uh, I do think the Bears lose this game. I think the Rams' defense is way too good. Um, The offense is going to sputter, most likely, with Andy Dalton in this first game. I think maybe there will be a moment or two, um, and he'll show that he is you know, a 10-year-plus pro, and maybe the offense won't look quite as bad as we think it will be, but I don't think it'll be enough. Um, So I definitely think that the Bears will drop this first game unfortunately, to the Rams. After that, the Bears come back home. They're going to be playing the Bengals. Now, I do think Dalton's still starting and playing in this game uh, against his former team, kind of a revenge game situation. Uh, I think that the Bengals are going to be improved, especially if Joe Burrow's healthy, Um, but I don't think they've got enough to beat the Bears at home. So I do think the Bears will end up 1-1 and after week two. Um, Moving forward, the Bears travel to Cleveland. Uh, Now, this is the asterisk on the schedule in my book. So I think think that Dalton starts this game coming off a win. What I think is going to happen, though, is the offense is going to struggle again. Um, I think it's going to be three weeks in a row that they're, you know, not impressive. And I think what Matt Nagy wants more than anything is for his offense to be impressive, not just adequate, not just squeak by and win games, although he obviously wants to win games. I think he wants to prove that he is an offensive mind in this league. And so I think if that's not happening, by halftime of week three, I think Justin Fields comes in. And I don't think it really matters that it's in hostile territory, that it's in Cleveland with all the crazy people there. I think that Matt Nagy just we're going to want to pull the trigger at that point. So that said, I think Justin Fields comes in at halftime. 
However, I do think the Bears still come up short. I think there's a valiant effort at most likely a comeback in the second half. However, it's going to not be enough, and the Bears are going to walk away one and two after three weeks. Next up would be what I would consider Justin Fields' first start, and this is going to be at home against Detroit. The Lions are a mess. Uh, I don't buy into this coach that they have. He's a crazy person, like everyone says. However, I don't think that that's going to translate into a good team, which is fine because I like watching the Lions suffer in mediocrity. So, two and two after four weeks, Justin Fields is a starter. Week five, uh, the Bears are going to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders in their new arena. Uh, this one will be interesting. I think this will be a tightly contested game. Um, I think that Vegas, their defense is... Not the best, but I don't think the Bears offense will be the best either, even with fields at this point. Um, But I think that the Bears defense will shine in week five against the Raiders. And I think that Khalil Mack maybe get a couple hits in on his buddy Derek Carr, a couple turnovers, strip sack maybe. Um, And I think that the Bears are going to be walking away three and two after week five. Next up is a game you're always going to have circled on the schedule, and that's week six. It is a game at home against Green Bay. Uh, unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers is still there. Um, given that fact, and honestly that fact alone, I'm going to go with the Packers to win that one. Bears still 500 after week six. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see if Justin Fields and the offense can make it a duel at least. Because I don't think the, this Bears defense is good enough to really slow Aaron Rodgers down. Devontae Adams, I don't think they have anything to really counteract what he's going to do in the slot against anyone not named Jalen Johnson, and even against Jalen Johnson, it'll be a tough one. Uh, So I think 500 entering Week 7 for the Bears in that Week 7 matchup is going to be at Tampa Bay. So the Super Bowl champions, obviously Tom Brady, Tampa Bay. It's I think that there's just so much momentum. There's now year two of, of Tom Brady. Uh, I, they brought back everyone, literally all 22 of their starters. I think that the, the Bucks are going to win this one. And, and you can say, oh, well, Nick Foles won it last year. They were still figuring things out. They hadn't gotten on the roll that ultimately led them to the Super Bowl. So I think that the Bears are going to tip below 500 again at this point, three and four entering week eight. Week eight is actually home again against San Francisco. And the 49ers um, are almost assuredly going to be playing Trey Lance, starting Trey Lance at this point of the season. Um, And so this will be a really fun one to watch. I'm going to be really excited to see this. Justin Fields versus Trey Lance. You could argue that Justin Fields was the number two quarterback uh, in this draft. You could argue that, you know, he was anywhere from two to five, I guess. Ultimately fell uh, to the Bears of the fourth quarterback off the board with Trey Lance being the third. And I think that this will be kind of a a, a head-to-head in a sense of, you think back to Mahomes versus Trubisky, uh, was it two years ago? And Mahomes had that personal vendetta, uh, just wanted to show up uh, that that the Bears were idiots. And like we didn't already know that, but he did show that. And and what I think is going to happen is Fields is going to have this one circled as well. And he's going to out-duel Trey Lance Um, even though San Francisco is a good team. And I think the Bears do squeak out uh, a victory at home in this one. So four and four uh, through eight weeks of the season. Next, we have the Bears' first Monday night football game of the season, and that's going to be at Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh is an interesting team because they're a good team. They're well-coached under Mike Tomlin obviously have his system well-established and they're always competitive at the least. However, I do feel like they're very much just hinged on this rusty old hinge that is Ben Roethlisberger. And if he's playing at that point, I'll still be, if he's still playing at that point, I'll kind of be impressed because I don't understand how he's still chugging along. Uh, He's like the little engine that almost could at this point. (laughs) And um, with all that in mind, I think on a Monday night, um, you know, Justin Fields gets the first taste of primetime Monday night uh, NFL action, and I think he's going to squeak an upset out of this one. And so I think the Bears will be above 500 
going into their bye week in week 10, which is the following week there. So they'll take that bye week, hopefully get some well-deserved rest. Uh, just over 500, not terrible. I think looking at this roster, it's a good place to be at the bye week there. Uh, but coming out of it, they're going to have a tough test against the Ravens, and it's going to be at home, so that is slightly beneficial for the Bears. However, I think the Ravens are too much. Uh, I think the Ravens are going to slip a little bit, but I still think they're going to have more than enough to take out the Bears in their, their questionable defense. Um, I think Lamar Jackson is going to figure something out uh, against the defense. And so I think back to 500, entering Week 12, where it is a Thursday game, Thanksgiving, I believe, uh, against the Lions. And I think this is going to be another one of those situations where the Bears get to show off on the holiday and Justin Fields gets to be the talk of the town. Hey, Mitch Trubisky can do it. Justin Fields absolutely can do it. And so the Bears are going to walk away with a victory uh, over Detroit. And that'll bring them to 6-5 and five through Week 12. Um, so through 11 games, still just above 500. The Arizona Cardinals come into town Week 13. And Arizona, I think has taken some good strides in recent years. I think Kyler Murray uh, and Cliff Kingsbury um, have got some familiarity at this point, and they're going to be able to light, light things up a little bit offensively, uh, but I don't think that they ultimately have a very well-rounded team, and I think that the Bears do have a shot in this game uh, against the Cardinals. However, I am going to give it to the Cardinals. I think it, it, it'll be a close one, a very close one, but I think you've got some of those that are a coin flip, more or less. I think this is a coin flip, and I think that the Bears are going to lose that that coin toss. Um, so entering week 14, I have the Bears at 6-6 six and six as they enter a chilly Lambeau field on a Sunday night in December. And again, I already talked about their matchup with the Packers. Until I'm proven otherwise, I have to kind of pencil it in as a loss, as much as it pains me to say that. I think the talent disparity is just obvious, at least at this point. Um, there's optimism in the matchup for the future, but as long as Aaron Rodgers is there and Justin Fields is still learning and still developing, I think I got to give the Packers this one. Unless the defense can make some ridiculous plays and unless Fields can make some ridiculous plays, uh, it's going to be a Packers win. So, Six and seven after the second matchup with the Packers going into week 15, which is a home matchup against the Vikings. Uh, another night game. This is a Monday night game. Um, and so this one's also going to be cold at home on December 20th. Uh, I think this one penciling in a split with the Vikings doesn't seem ridiculous. Um, however, however, this is a Monday night game. It's Kirk Cousins, and he got that monkey off his back supposedly last year. However, I'm not super convinced because he's going to have Justin Fields uh, across the field, and uh, I think the Bears can pull this one off. So 7-7 seven and seven through Week 15 for the Bears. Week 16, the Seattle Seahawks, and this one's an away game at Seattle, um, an afternoon game. And I think this is one that could be really interesting. And this is what I talked about earlier with the, the Cardinals, those toss-up coin flip games. I think Seattle is another one of those games. It's another one of those matchups. I'm going to flip a coin here, and I'm going to say that the Bears come out on top in this one, which would bring them to 8-7 and seven with just two more games left on the schedule. So a pretty good spot to be in, I think, for this Bears team. Uh, going into week 17, they are going to be playing the Giants at home. Uh, I think that the Giants are still a little bit of a mess, uh, and so I think the Bears can can win this one. I don't think it's outrageous to think that they can win this one, and they would be uh, leaving week 17 at 9-7, and seven, uh, which would best last year's mark if this was a 16-game season. However, the 17th game in week 18 will be at Minnesota, now, this could be interesting because it's the last game of the year. I uh, don't really know what kind of factors are going to be at play as far as the playoffs. I do think, however, that if the Bears are at 
nine and seven. Um, it's a good place to be in, but I do still think that they would have something to play for um, and wanting to either make sure that they get into the playoffs or make sure that they, um, you know, have a better seed. Um, but I think that they're going to want to be playing uh, for some reason on week, week 18, the last week of the regular season. And I think that they can pull it out. Um, I, this would be saying that they would sweep the Vikings uh, as well as the Lions. However, I think that that's fair. I wouldn't be surprised if they split the series, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they won uh, both games. So that's it through all 17 games. I have the Bears coming out to a 10-7 and season. Uh, now, I understand that's probably a very optimistic view. Um, however, I do think it's important to note that uh, I have Justin Fields making an impact as soon as week three. Uh, if it drags on and he's not being put into until, you know, week eight, nine at the bye week, um, then I think maybe it's a different scenario because I think that the Bears maybe drop an extra, you know, one or two games in that span, if not more. Um, however, I think that he will have an impact. He will open up a lot of things in this offense, and hopefully that causes a, a chain of chain reaction that gets the defense playing better. It's going to get the skill players uh, on the offensive side um, getting more involved. They're going to be uh, building some confidence. The offensive line, again, same thing. Um, they're going to have a lot of pressure taken off of them. If Justin Fields can be mobile and he can be dynamic as a, as a runner um, and a playmaker in that regard. So 10 and seven, definitely optimistic, but I don't think it's impossible by any means. Um, so, that's my official prediction week by week of the Bears 2021 schedule. Um, I'm super excited to, to record this episode. Um, this is the first of the State of the Bears uh, podcast episodes here on the Waiting in the Sky podcast. Um, before I go, I just want to hit on a couple of things. Uh, the Waiting in the Sky podcast is on social media, so you can follow um, the podcast on Facebook at in the sky pod twitter again at in the sky pod or you can follow me at tj starman um, also have a waiting in the sky letterboxd account so letterboxd for the movie fans out there you want to check out my movie reviews my list and rankings you can follow the podcast there and then also just a reminder that monday's episode is one that i am super excited about monday i'm going to be talking about my favorite game series ever and that's Kingdom Hearts. So thank you so much for listening in. Uh, it's going to be an exciting and interesting Bears season. Um, I, I'm trying to remain optimistic. I could see things going an entirely different path for this Bears team, but I'm going to remain optimistic. So until I'm proven wrong, the Bears can have a 10-7 and 7 season in 2021. And you heard it here. Thank you so much for listening to the Waiting in the Sky podcast. This is TJ Sarman. We'll see you next time.